AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Let's get this new year started. Happy 2023 to you. We are fired up and ready to spring into the new year here on AgriTalk. Looking back, I unfortunately did not get my skid steer in 2022. We'll find out if there's a chance to get one bought in 2023. And then we'll start to preview what's happening later this month in Nashville at the 2023 Top Producer Summit. From the dawn of 2023's Agri-News coverage via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with Machina Repeat, Greg Peterson. Then it's Mark Faust from Echelon Management. And then former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. and Indiana Farmer, Kip Tom. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis Michelson. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New How Year, are buddy. you? Oh, yeah. Super great. Excellent. Excellent. I hope everything was. I, I hope you kept it under control on New Year's Eve. I mean, I know it's a new location. I know uh-huh. that you've got the new uh-huh. bride. What a what what a what a year 2022 mm-hmm. was for you. It absolutely was. It was a wild ride, Chip. Uh, <laughs> culminated in uh, in a New Year's Eve wrought with board games, boggle, and little television, and at early bedtime, I'll be honest. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Sounds like you've settled right into a new routine. Settling right in. You betcha. Nice. You, gotta get, you know, it. life is about the rhythms that we establish, and then once yes. you get a rhythm going, you just, yep. you know, if you can maintain it, you boy, you really it. got something going. Yeah, yeah. If it feels good, stick with it, my friend. Stick exactly. with it. Love it. Right on. Welcome. Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us here on our first AgriTalk of 2023. Glad now that you are here. Let's yeah. talk about your New Year's Eve. Um, okay. Did Was Nickelback able to make it then? Um, they- well, not personally, but uh-huh. but yeah, yeah. They there was an appearance by by Nickelback. Uh, it, it wasn't nearly as quiet or uh, routine as as what you had. There was no early bedtime. Uh, you know, uh-huh. I I there for a while. I felt like I was, you know, I I felt like I was fifty two or fifty three again, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's like it's like the years are going in reverse for you. It's oh, it's amazing. I'm telling you, yeah, no party, party. Got to get got together with some friends that we haven't seen for quite some time. Great, and uh, yeah, yeah, had a great had a great New Year's Eve. Um, I, I, we we just kind of laid low mm-hmm. on on uh, New Year's Day and made our way back to the ranch, and we're we're in good shape. Back into the comfortable routine, shall we? put it that way <laughs> excellent excellent it's all about the rhythm baby all about the rhythm that's right, um, that's right. i was thinking for uh, for this morning's news uh, let's let's just go back to some stuff that we were talking about on friday okay. um as, as we ended the year there were some things of note that sort of came out 
Um, but I want to start. Uh, USDA reported a daily export sale of some soybeans to unknown destinations for the 22-23 marketing year to the tune of 186,000 metric tons. Demand, demand, demand. It's going yeah. to be in focus this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, what a great place to start it off, uh, this conversation, because demand, whether we're talking about what is really pretty good demand for soybeans, I mean, at the end of, it, well, let's see, it was the, the week ended December 22nd, I believe, uh, was the export sales report reporting date. But export commitments at that time were 4.3% ahead mm-hmm. of a year ago on soybeans ahead of a year ago usda's got us down five percent from the previous marketing year that's what's going to put a lot of attention on the january 12 quarterly grain stocks report davis yep. uh, because that's going to give us an idea of just how quickly we are using up the 2022 corn and soybean crops now <laughs> demand on corn not nearly as uh, supportive it basically running at half the pace that we were uh, a year ago. And then wheat demand, I, you know, it's really nothing to be too excited about. Down about 6% from year ago. Trade uh, USDA is looking for a 3% decline. So it's uh, absolutely is demand going to be part of the focus for us as as we make our way into the new year. Well, and you mentioned that January report. Already there's been an awful lot of talk about what happens if USDA lowers export forecasts and then some of those supplies get dumped back in yeah. to domestic supplies. See, you see, I think I, I don't think there's much of a question that we're going to see an, a decrease in the corn export estimate. I, I It feels kind of like it's it's got to happen. Um, but... You, the question is, how much of a difference does it really make to the bottom line, okay? Mm-hmm. Because when we start talking about what the carryover is going to be, are we going to bump it all the way up to 1.4, 1.45 billion bushels when many analysts are pretty well convinced that it takes 1.6 to keep the pipeline full? And USDA in December, I believe, had carryover at one2 Two five, maybe just a bit over that, but let's call it 1.25 billion bushels was the estimate in December. If they push it up to 1.3 billion bushels, does that make much of a difference? I don't think it does for this market. Mm. Well, and if we're talking domestic use, let's look over to the American ethanol industry. Um, <laughs> production margins kind of ended 2022 with yep. a whimper. Lots yep. in the outlook forecast, RVOs, carbon capture, the RFS, limits on E15 sales. But we've got Brazil suspending its 20% ethanol import tariff. Yeah. Lots happening in the ethanol world. Yeah, I, and, you know, I think that conversation on with Brazil on, on ethanol tariffs is going to continue at least through the end of January. I think they're probably, because of the uncertainties in the energy markets around the world, I think they're probably going to see the sense in extending that for a longer period of time so that they can mm-hmm. bring U.S. ethanol in at at, at tariff-free rates. So mm-hmm. I would expect that to happen. And, you know, on Friday with, with the free-for-all, when we were doing predictions, I, I threw one out that I think surprised quite a few people, and that is that I see the ethanol market growing 
mm-hmm. in 2023. Now, it might be late in the year, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to happen because we've got API, the American Petroleum Institute, that's getting behind the year-round availability of E15. It's because they can make money on it. Refiners can make money on E15 by supplying a lower quality uh, 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 blend stock mm-hmm. of refined fuel. And then you spike it with 15% ethanol to get your octane not up to 88. Watch for E7. E, uh, I'm sorry. Watch for E15 to come to the market at 87 octane, the pump mm-hmm. minimum, to, to continue to flow out there. But, hey, it, that's growth opportunity. Sure. That is growth opportunity for ethanol in the year ahead. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, a recent White House waiver allows Chevron upgraded Venezuelan crude to flow into U.S. refineries. Yeah. Isn't Just that throwing that fantastic? in there. Just yeah. throwing that in there. You, um, you know, because e- it's high quality and all that sure. kind of stuff. Sure. EPA uh, Friday yeah. issued a new rule on WOTUS. Yep. Yeah. The, it's, a, it's a final rule that is not so final rule. You know, right. go back and listen to the free-for-all and Jim Wiesmeyer's take on that. No question uh, that there's a lot of work to do there. Coming up next, we've got Machinery Pete right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Monday, Monday. So good to me. Welcome back to Agritalk on this first Agritalk of 2023. Hope you all had a safe uh, New Year's Eve and are fired up and ready to go for the year ahead. We've got to take a look back at a couple of things that happened in late 2023 in the used machinery market. And it's Monday morning. That means it's time for a conversation with Greg Peterson. Machinery Pete, Greg, Happy New Year, my friend. Hey, Happy New Year to you guys as well. Yep, yep. So, Davis, um, yes. before we get as to kick off the conversation with, mm-hmm. with Greg, remember – Early in 2022, and maybe even mm. 2021, if I had something on my wish list, wish list to purchase uh-huh. at one of these yep. machinery auctions, what was it? Oh, it was a skid steer. You betcha. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, who could blame you? They're so handy. You know, they utilitarian are. vehicle is what they are. Absolutely. Well, 
about two-thirds of the way through the year, I just decided it was cheaper and probably smarter to have a friend that's got a skid steer that's willing to, <laughs> to lend it out. Because, Greg, uh, you, you, give me something from the world of skid steers for your pick of the week. What do you got? Yeah, well, um, I think you probably made a, uh, a rational decision there, Chip. The used skid steer market's <laughs> just been on fire. Uh, so for pick of the week, let's go out to Pennsylvania Last Wednesday, my friends at McGrew Equipment Company, their weekly uh, big auction out there. They had a couple of skid steers that caught my eye. One new one, one old one, both Bobcats. Uh, so let's okay. start with the old one, which I guess I think I'd make this my pick of the week. It was a 2003 Bobcat S300. <clears throat> now, it only had 186 hours on it. What? And I, I don't I don't know the story on it. My friend Greg McGrew he has about as many connections in the equipment world as anybody I know. So he just, he finds folks with these items and then they, they've created a market to sell these low hour mm -hmm. items, whether they're tractors or skid steers. But anyway, this thing now coming into the sale, guys, the highest auction price I'd ever seen on a Bobcat S300 was 38,000. And, you know, we would expect this obviously to sell high with 186 hours, but it went for 51,500. <laughs> So 13.5 over the record, continuing a theme of just obliterated auction prices. And and the right. new one, the newer Bobcat did the same thing. That was a 20 model Bobcat T770 on tracks, 531 hours. That brought 98,000 bucks. Oh, man. Which uh, this one, it, you know, probably is even more eye opening because the previous high was 70,500 just back in April this year <laughs> on a New Jersey auction. With the same hours. Now, I should say that that T770 that brought 98K did have a full warranty out to September of 25 or 3,000 hours. Okay. And so that's that's what drove the bus yep. there. You know, you're getting full yep. warranty coverage, but 98K. So skid steer is kind of like uh, pickup trucks, I guess. You know, we're they're rushing up on that 100K even on the used side, and it's we would have yep. thought it impossible, but. I guess Here the other thing I find interesting with with used skid steers, guys, is that, you know, the economy outside of egg kind of got a little wobbly there when price of gas went up and interest rates went up and and so and home building slowed down. So honestly, I thought we'd start to see a little slowdown with auction pricing on stuff like wheel loaders and right. excavators and but I have not seen it. In fact, the pricing went higher through the end of the year. So very hot yeah, market. Yeah, and, and 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 I think we have seen a bit of an uptick in the supply to the market as well at the end of the year. Well, there have been a lot of auctions. I can tell you that. Yeah. So there wasn't a shortage of, you know, I in fact this auction that uh, McGrew had last Wednesday in Pennsylvania, their weekly sale. Boy, I, I don't have a headcount on the number of skid steers and mini excavators, but it was a ton. And as I look down through the pricing, I mean. I just didn't see any soft spots. They did have wow. uh, another item that was kind of interesting at a 2010 Bobcat Toolcat 5600, one of these uh, larger you, you know, UTV vehicles. And mm -hmm. again, that was a 2010 with 160 hours on it. Yeah. So I tell you, Greg knows where to find them. Yeah, and that brought 59150 bucks. That's the second highest price ever on a, a Bobcat toolcat 5600 so and and i would say that the utvs uh, again surprisingly held very strong through the end of the year i can't tell you how many gators and Kubota yeah. rtvs that i i saw from 25 to 30k so kind of a hot market there yep crazy
Crazy. Good stuff. Thanks. Uh, take us over to the Wisconsin area for the for for and talk about some of those forage wagons. Crazy. Yeah, there was a nice sale last Thursday in Manawa, Wisconsin. Nolan Sales had this one, and uh, I guess yeah, the two things that caught my eye were a pair of H and S SD seventy four twenty six twenty six foot forage wagons. Now, not the kind of thing you see every day, but yep, fifty fifty eight thousand dollars each. And I, I think there, you know, we're, we're drifting into that, what we've dealt with in the farm equipment market the last, you know, pushing three years is the supply of new has been pinched. And at the same time, you know, the dealer use lots are more bare than we've ever seen them. So when you get stuff like that shows up at auction, it just sells for way more than you would think. I guess another item that caught my eye on that sale, guys, uh, was a mm-hmm. Almost 20-year-old New Holland FX50 forage harvester. Very clean looking rig, 3,104 engine hours on it, brought 49,000 bucks. That's the second highest auction price in six years on an FX50. And uh, I guess not to rain on your parade trip, but Man. there was another strong skid steer there, a <laughs> New Holland L220. Now it had almost 8,500 hours on it, but had a new engine. May of 22, it was a one owner rig <clears throat> that brought yep. 29,500 bucks with, which I thought was pretty strong. A lot of sure. times you put a new engine in and it, uh, you know, 9,000 hours, but anyway, pushing 30 K yeah. I thought was pretty good. Yeah, certainly sounds good. No question about it. So a couple of things from this, your pick of the week, the, the, uh, skid steers that you were talking about, that's another mm-hmm. consignment auction. I think that the uh right. we we've talked about that a couple of times but there's no fall off on the consignment auctions anymore nope if it's good no. condition and geography yeah. doesn't matter either i mean it used to be northeast was was closer to what we yep. would you know guys here in illinois iowa minnesota wisconsin uh, dakotas uh upper midwest ohio was always I, our dad always showed was the highest a geographic point for well cared yeah. for used equipment auction prices. But like you say, skid steers used to, or I mean, consignment sales used to be 10, 15% light, but they just yep. aren't anymore. Right. It's all online buyers. They find this stuff from all over the place. So it's, it's really leveled the playing field. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, take us to Centralia, Missouri. Yeah. Last Friday, Centralia, Missouri, my friends at Wheeler auction and real estate had a farm retirement auction. I think Kaiser was the last name on the sale. I guess a few items caught my eye here. A couple four-wheel drives, which have been really hot all for, well, two-plus years. But they had a 2012 John Deere 9360R, 3,413 hours. That sold for $201,000. Now, when you use the search filters at our machinerypeat.com website on auction prices, if you if you pulled up the pricing on a Deere 9360R and then filtered by 3,000 hours plus, you're mm-hmm. going to find that 201,000 price was 46,000 above anything I've ever seen. And the highest was 155. So again, 201. Then right after that, they had a 2011 New Holland T9450 four wheel drive, 1920 hours. That's all for 194. Okay. And again, it doesn't matter what color because I mean, that was yeah. 22,000 over the record from, from almost, almost eight years ago. So, I mean, again, that's just four-wheel drives, red hot. And then how about this one? At a 2010 John Deere 8295R, 3,088 hours on it. So, again, that 
2010 pre-deaf preacher four that went for 186 now that price alone is the sixth highest ever on a 2010 model 8295r but if we again filter by the hours it's the highest ever auction price on an 8295 8295r 10 model with over 3,000 hours so uh you know again and and how about this the sixth highest auction prices ever on 8295r's 10 models have all come since March 30th. So of this that, year, yeah. I mean, I, I of this year, I couldn't paint uh, a more vivid example of how hot the used tractor market is than that right there. That's right. That's right. You know, we'll save Guyman, Oklahoma for next week's update, uh, Greg, because, I mean, we're going to get into the first part of 2023, and it's going to be a real test for the market to see if, if what we're dealing with now is kind of a uh, – you know, a, a, a build up into the end of the year, or if the trends are going to continue into 2023, right? Yeah. And we flipped the calendar. It's going to be interesting. I am yeah. starting to see one soft spot develop on combines. Maybe we can touch on that next week, but it'll be really Excellent. interesting to see these early 23 auctions. Out. We will do that. Happy new year, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great guys. See ya. All right, that's Greg Peterson, Machinery Pete. Up next here on AgriTalk, Mark Faust from Echelon Management. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. New year, clean slate for the markets, right? Wrong. In fact, markets very rarely have a clean slate. There is no reset button for the markets. Each market carries a whole lot of old crop baggage at this time of the year when it's trying to get focused on what might be happening in South America. And as U.S. farmers begin to put the finishing touches on the New Year's acreage mix. So, no clean slate. Just a whole lot of old crop baggage that must be dragged through the remaining weeks of winter. We talked last week with Clark Neighbors from BIS Commodities about what might be the most interesting year of basis trade that we have ever experienced. Keep in mind, basis is where the market does the heavy lifting that's required to sort out and allocate bushels to areas most in need of supplies. Now, on this afternoon's hour of AgriTalk, we are going to go through some of the 2023 predictions from several of the regulars on the afternoon show. One of the predictions we will talk about is in regard to feeding margins for birds, pigs, and cattle. Even if you're feeding $7 corn, you are probably walking that corn off the farm at a solid return per acre. Maybe, maybe even more than if you trucked the corn off the farm. Livestock guys are bidding hard for feed, but there's a reason for that. And that means that there is still a lot of heavy lifting to be done to move feed from east to west before the 2023 crop refills bunkers out in cattle country. Grain markets in the month ahead are going to be focused on the USDA reports that come January 12th, quarterly grain stocks report, the annual production summary, and the update to the U.S. and global balance sheets. Put next on January 12th. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. 
It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Thank you for joining us on this first broadcast day of 2023. I hope you had a safe and uh, fun New Year's Eve and uh, are welcoming in the new year with with an optimistic view as to what might happen in the year ahead. Speaking of an optimistic view as to what might happen in the year ahead, we are very happy to have with us right now Mark Faust. Mark is the founder of Echelon Management. He joins us right now. Mark, welcome to AgriTalk. Happy New Year. Great to be here. Happy New Year to you too, Chip. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, Mark, by the way, is going to be at the Top Producer Summit on Wednesday, January 25th. Really looking forward to seeing and hearing what Mark has to talk about. But first, before we get into that, tell us about Echelon Management and what it was that motivated you to start it. You know, it goes back to really back to grade school when the uh, pastor said, think about your vocation. And I knew I didn't want to be in the a man of the cloth, wanted to get married and, and uh, be in business. Uh, but I also probably uh, subconsciously realized I had a little bit of ADD, like many of us, and wanted to work with a multitude of businesses, which ultimately led to consulting. I got lucky out of school, got with a national consulting firm, uh, spent a few years there, got introduced to a lot of turnaround CEOs, and I was inspired by uh, how they could just go into almost any situation and turn it around. It became a theme of my life and the impetus for my business in 1990 when I started, and I applied the turnaround concepts to healthy companies, and that's how we got started. All right. Let's talk about those turnaround CEOs here for a moment. I've had, a, I've had some exposure to, to some of those, those thinkers as well. What do they have in common? Hope. You know, the, the, the three legs of strategy are uh, vision, focus, and divergence. And the first leg of vision is hope. A lot, there was a book called uh, Hope is Not a Strategy, and it's total BS, because uh, to create a, a vision that's bold and innovative and going to cause you to stretch and grow, or especially in a situation of turbulence turn around, you first must have hope. And that's something that, that great leaders, great entrepreneurs and people in our industry do a great job of. They hope for something better at every level of their organization. Well, you're talking to the right crowd at TPS because it is a very hopeful group. I mean, it, Mark, <laughs> these guys put seed in the ground every year. Yeah. 
right? And expect <laughs> and expect to get something back to, that makes it worth their while. Uh, that yep. is the definition of hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've worked with three hundred over three hundred different companies and government agencies, et cetera, et cetera. And and it truly is agriculture is one of the the most challenging businesses. There, therefore, I have the most respect, I think, for the entrepreneurs of our industry because it, indeed there is so much change, undulation, unpredictability, et cetera, at, in so many dimensions of the business. And so, um, and yet it, it can also be very rewarding. So indeed, yeah. uh, we've, we've got the tolerance to risk and, and a, a level of hope yeah. that is uh, un, unprecedented, in, I think, in just about any industry. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing, when you are talking to the group uh, in Nashville at TPS, there are going mm-hmm. to be early adopters. There's going to be innovators. There's going to be mm-hmm. uh, followers. I, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, there's everybody in the business spectrum is going to be in that room. How do you yep. how do you design a motivational talk to deal with all of those? By making it practical. Uh, my goal since I started on my own was always to have so much uh, uh, practical uh, ideas and, and uh, uh, you know, tactics and tools and strategies that, that anybody could pull from. You know, it's like my books that I give out for free now that I've gotten the rights back. They're a bouillabaisse base of ideas that have worked in, in hundreds of other companies, and, and not all of them apply. But a handful will apply to, to most anybody, and that, that's – I think the way you make it motivational is is giving them a lot of meat and potato that they can use. All right. And everything is focused on growth that you talk about in your books, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, high growth and, levers, growth or bust. Both of those are free to us now? Yes. You send me an email, request the books. I'll send you digital copies. Uh, one of them is available to listen to, Growth or Bust. That's more of a tactical book that deals with innovations in management, marketing, and sales that, uh, you know, there's just dozens of ideas in there that are more tactical and high growth levers a little bit more strategic and deals with strategy, innovation, and culture. And, um, you know, of course, any organization could pull from any level of those things and, and apply. And And, you know, to your previous question about how do you make it motivational and, yeah. and, and applicable, uh, it, it's fascinating. As simple as I think the science of management is, uh, and, and you could summarize it in you know a handful of pages, um, there is so much that almost all companies miss. Uh, there was an interview I had with a turnaround CEO named John Pepper. He turned around Procter & Gamble when they were uh, in a bit of an ebb around the year 2000. And he was the inspiration for Growth or Bust, in fact, told me to, to write a book on it. But we were kind of fighting for a while. And he, he was like, oh, your questions are so basic. And, you know, everybody knows this. And I'm like, John, this, it, it, 95% of companies under $500 million are not doing half of what you've just yeah. described in the last hour. And he, he's like, oh, you're right. You know, I'm on the board of my son's company. And you know, you're, they're yeah. missing so many of the basics. But but somebody like that's used to doing it perfectly because he was in one of the world's top 20 best-run companies. And in reality, you know, even myself, I think about my own planning this year. It's like, what am I missing? I have to reach out to my mentors, and I have to hold myself accountable to the missing elements of the science of management and my own little consulting business. Yeah. But we all need to be reminded of, of all those different levers and all those different tools and, and fill in the blanks when we 
we've dropped the ball in some area. So you obviously are a believer that the CEO of a mid-sized farm in central Iowa can learn from the experiences of the CEO of P&G. And, and there are lessons to be learned from that guy. Not only from P&G, but from the military, from the best-run organizations that are nonprofit, et cetera, et cetera. Management is management is management. There are okay. few words might change from the profit to nonprofit to the government to military organizations. But the seven essential areas of objectives all have to be addressed. The uh, aspect of setting a vision, purpose statement, mission statement, uh, values clarification, role clarification has to be. I, I, I was just with U.S. Cyber Command a couple of weeks ago uh, at the NSA headquarters in Baltimore, one of the NSA headquarters. Uh, offices and and there we were with a mix of colonels and majors and civilians that are running um, basically the green beret of IT and mm -hmm. the stuff we dealt with and our several days of working together was all the same stuff that I dealt with with a uh, a 10 million dollar uh, cleaning organization and a, mm -hmm. an eight million dollar roofing organization and agricultural clients that um, you know I have one client owns and and this is another thing about the entrepreneurs in agriculture is mm -hmm. you don't just farm most most growers realize after a, a few years of running it they really run a multiple of businesses. Okay, so Mark, give me an example of a farmer that runs multiple enterprises. One of my favorite was actually an ag retailer, which I know is bigger than a lot of farmers, but it, it was an epiphany that tripled the size of the business. They actually had seven units of businesses that were all being run under the same P&L. When we separated out each of those businesses and gave them unique strategies, unique visions, unique uh, points of divergence and focus areas of, of innovation we were going to intensify our efforts upon, uh, they all blossomed in a way that the, the, the company tripled in a matter of a handful of years. Bottom line, we, we have points of inspiration and innovation that we are exposed to that, um, frankly, we have more opportunity to be entrepreneurial than, than yeah. most any industry out there. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Okay, you're going to be talking to a group that has had a couple of really good years, really profitable years. That's why I, one mm -hmm. of the reasons that I appreciate the title of your presentation at TPS, how to propel your farm in the most profitable direction, not just a profitable direction, the most profitable direction. Yep. What do you hope right. they take away? Well, a combination of things. We, you know, I'm going to go over some additional, every year I share additional tools on innovation, but one area we're going to discuss and we're going to have an exercise that's very interactive and they will get ideas from this exercise that will grow their profits. But we're going to focus first on them as the individual leader. And even if you've got your managers coming along with you, they can build their leadership and managerial sure. skill, and especially around becoming more innovative. Um, but another aspect of innovation we talk about and remind everybody is that what part of your organization or organizations shouldn't be innovated? Well, probably few to none. And, and right. so we're going to look at some tools to engage your team in becoming more innovative. You know, it's, uh, there, there was a great insight in a book even titled The 1% Solution. And the point being is that sometimes the little improvements of just 1% here and there 
are what add up to literally save or make a company profitable. And so you've got to teach that concept to your team and give them some tools that they can run with and the culture and environment and the freedom and the rope to think outside of the box, work outside of the box, and actually invest time in innovating areas that that you may not be able to think of because you're not exposed to them day to day. Right, right. Excellent. Excellent. Mark, I am really looking forward to seeing you there in Nashville. Travel safe. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in Nashville. You too, my friends. All right. That is Mark Faust, founder of Echelon Management. Coming up next, conversation with former Ambassador Kip Tom right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Uh, what kind of radio program do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds, agra and talk. Happy New Year again, everyone. Glad that you're with us this morning. You know, Top Producer Summit is coming up in January, and I, uh, I get the privilege of moderating the final panel discussion for Top Producer Summit again. The discussion this time is going to be on the future of global grain flows. We'll have that discussion on January 25th. Steve Freed from ADM Investor Services, Matt Roberts from Terrain, and this man, former ambassador to the U.N. and Indiana farmer Kip Tom. Ambassador Tom, welcome to AgriTalk. It is good to talk with you again. Chip, it's an honor to be on with you this afternoon with on AgriTalk, and I look forward to our discussion. Yeah. Um, back in September... You held an FAO meeting on your farm there in Indiana to discuss some of the challenges that the global food system will be forced to deal with. What is on that list that we need to know about? I would say the leading part of that discussion that took place when we had FAO Director General Chu Dongju there from, from Rome, Italy, uh, that we wanted to highlight the importance that innovation played role, the innovation played in a role of feeding a hungry world. Uh, a lot of times we get into the discussions at the FAO and the World Food Program in Rome, Italy, uh, where oftentimes we just focused on a smallholder farmer. We didn't relate to how we could bring innovation into their hands to actually solve some of these global problems on food security, which has a direct correlation to our own national security and that of our allies and friends around the world. So we spent the day uh, with Q Dongju, a number of his director generals uh, that were 
flew in from Rome, Italy, along with some industry leaders from companies like ADM and others that were there to have a discussion on just what innovation looks like and playing that critical role in feeding the world. Kip, when you have conversations about innovation with some of the developing countries and and the leaders in these developing countries about bringing technology into farming, what kind of a reception do you get? Well, usually it's a pretty open reception. The the, the reality is the European Union uh, as a whole has spent a lot of time across the continent, say, for instance, Africa, the 54 nations there, dispelling and, and plating doubt putting doubt in the minds of global leaders across Africa on uh, the ability of innovation to be part of the solution, Uh, actually restricting the use of fertilizer, mechanization, uh, genetic advances, those kinds of things. And that's, that's been the hurdle that we've tried to attempt to cross for many, much of the time I spent in Rome. Yeah. 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 Very good. Very good. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Russia and Ukraine here. When do you think Ukraine will again be considered a reliable supplier of grains and oil seeds to the rest of the world? Chip, I think it's sometimes out. You know, I, back in October, I was in Ukraine, met up with a number of producers while there. And, uh, you know, obviously in 2022, a lot of these farmers, they had their supply chain stocked full of fertilizer, seeds, chemistries, uh, fuel, everything they needed to produce a crop in 2022. 2023 takes on a fresh new look because they don't have access to fertilizer. Diesel fuel, when I was over there, was trained for $30 a gallon. Half or over half of their electrical grid had been shut down. Labor resources have been on the front line, finding the battle and lack of capital, even after a plea to the IMF. Uh, Ukraine's going to be in a tough situation. I don't see them returning anytime soon. Yeah, this is a a battle that uh, is going to continue for quite some time and be a challenge for the U.N. to deal with going forward, uh, no doubt. It was reported last week that China is starting up a new grain reserves company to manage the country's reserves. Sounds to me like China will build its its grain supply in preparation for what might be a period of isolation that could result from an an aggression on Taiwan. That's another major threat to the global grain system, isn't it? It absolutely is. You know, so if you look at, uh, obviously, we, we know that uh, China's had an insatiable demand for our grains of the United States and out of Latin America uh, to feed their protein sector. Let's face it, uh, we've seen significant numbers growth in their, their pork and poultry production, and uh, they want to make sure they have a reliable supply. I don't think I can comment on uh, what their aggression looks like, but that was always something that we considered as, as a possibility uh, in the Taiwan Strait uh, as an issue there. So, uh, you want to say from a high level, it looks like it's the obvious, and uh, I think we need to be prepared uh, yeah. to understand how to deal with that if that does occur. Yeah, the momentum seems to be building in that direction, and and uh, I don't know if Xi Jinping is going to be able to work up the effort in, in China to get it done or not, but I think he's going to try it is the way that it is certainly looking. Uh, okay. Kip, when we're together in Nashville on January 25th and we get into this conversation about the future of grain flows, what is it that you want to make sure that we talk about? Well, you know, I think we've talked about a little bit already. I mean, I think the near term here, or maybe over the next two to three years here, we don't know what the outcome is going to be in Ukraine. We don't know what that uh, lack of production is going to be. We don't know what's going to happen with the EU Green Deal, Farm Before Condition, but how that affects uh, 
uh, trade issues, uh, non-terrier, non-trade terrier uh, tariff barriers against uh, U.S. commodities. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in China, for instance, uh, especially as you just alluded to, if uh, they're stocking up grains now for potential aggression uh, later on. At the same time, I will say that I believe that the the Chinese are. Uh, from an economic uh, position, are trying to uh, take overtake uh, the United States in the role that we play globally, whether it's in a Belt and Road Initiative, whether it's in uh, some of the activities taking place across the, the continent of Africa, and or even in Latin America. So I think there's a lot we're going to have an enjoyable conversation on. Yeah. I, I think what I want to set into the minds of U.S. producers is we need to make sure that we maintain that we are a resilient and durable food system in the world. And that needs to make sure that we work with policymakers in Washington, DC, make sure that we work that make sure that our infrastructure is one that is gonna allow the flow of grains and out of the country and inputs into the country. And if we look at some of these trade relationships we have, for instance, with uh, Russia and China on fertilizer inputs or chemistry, some of our supply chain issues. So. Right. Uh, this is going to be an important audience to get that point across. That's exactly right. I'm very much looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Kip. Happy New Year to you, and we will see you in Nashville. Look forward to seeing you and uh, everybody in the Top Producer uh, Seminar crowd as we All make right. our way to Nashville here in a few weeks. Take care. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Kip. That is Indiana farmer and former ambassador to the U.N., Kip Tom. Hey, come back this afternoon. Davis and I will be going through some of the 2023 prediction from several of the AgriTalk regular guest analysts.